Hey, last week, <laughs> last week we started uh, a conversation. It's been one that has been carried through the years here at the House Church, but the topic of wisdom. Wisdom is a significant gift in the body of Christ. It is a gift to the world that comes through the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit, like we discovered last week, gives a manifestation gift where he shows up and produces the gift of wisdom. It's called a word of wisdom. It's supernatural. When he shows up and does it, like it's so clear that it was him and not you, it's really powerful. Last week, we went through an activation of how to step into that thing. If you haven't or were not here, I want to encourage you to go back and, and truly listen to it and, uh, and start to practice it because it really will shift some things in your life. This week, I want to talk about hearing the voice of wisdom, as in the person of the Holy Spirit. Hearing his voice, but in the form of gaining answers to situations that you face. I want to talk about hearing God's voice in the way that produces significant results that the world around you suddenly takes notice of what you're doing that is different from what they are doing. We're talking about divine, creative wisdom. It's the kind of wisdom that Solomon, King Solomon, possessed. That sent a rumor out through the world that caused nations to take notice, people to want to be friends with the nation of Israel as he was king, to create alliances because that wisdom was creating such benefit to nations it was creating such abundance. Resources were flowing into Israel. Israel was so wealthy at the time because of the way that King Solomon was conducting business. That kind of wisdom exists in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God anointed Solomon for this purpose, and that same Spirit of God is what Jesus ascended into heaven and ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit in his place. That same Holy Spirit lives within and can anoint your life to create this kind of impact, truly. Now, can anybody get excited about that or is interested in that? You know, in today's world, we have a few kind of standout, scientifically-minded people, inventors, you know, uh, business leaders that have paved the way and made decisions that really have shifted how the world does business. You know, whether you, you like Amazon or not, they changed the world. The, the process for, for buying and selling has completely been altered, and it was because of a few key business decisions that have shifted everything. Someone like an Elon Musk has created the sense of anything is possible when it comes to the stars. Ten years ago, if I said to you, hey, how likely do you think it is that we're going to send a team of people to Mars? Like, how likely do you think that it is that we're, you know, 
ah, maybe some of it, us would have it on our radar, maybe. But because of that, that dude and him living outside the box so much, because of the stuff that we've seen him do, because of, suddenly we're all going, yeah, that's possible. Those kinds of creative choices, outside-of-the-box choices, are what changes the landscape in the world. What shifts the mindset of entire nations, even the marketplace and government, we begin to think of things differently because we will see that anointing, if you will, of wisdom. We'll see somebody be creative and make decisions that are not just within the construct of what everybody else lives within. They're a little bit nutty. They're just outside-the-box people. Does anybody know an outside-the-box person? Yeah, maybe you're sitting next to one of them, okay? An outside-the-box person, like that crazy uncle that just refuses to do things the way anybody else wants to do it, right? Those kind of people, man, they're the ones that move the needle. What I want to say to you today is that because the Holy Spirit lives within you and because you have access to the king of all creation, one conversation with God could change the world. One conversation, one interaction with God. You're about to make a decision. You talk to the Lord. He puts creativity in your heart. He gives you wisdom. You, you just make a decision a little bit differently. And suddenly, it's changing the way that other people see life. Suddenly, it's changing the way that your company does business. Suddenly, we have a policy change that touches the lives of millions of people. Guys, there's nothing impossible for our God, and he has anointed you for this purpose. Now, we're going to get into this today. and it's, um, we're, I'm, My hope is to wade into some deep waters, okay? But you're going to have to listen fast, all right? So put your track shoes on. Let's get into it. This is 1 Kings chapter 10. I want to read to you an interaction that Solomon had with the Queen of Sheba because there is some information there that we got to pick up. 1 Kings chapter 10, starting in verse 1. The Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon. So this is the leader of a different nation concerning the name of the Lord. So she came to test him with difficult questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very large army. She came with camels carrying spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. And Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king, which he did not explain to her. When the queen perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of the waiters, the way that they were dressed, his cupbearers, the stairway by which it went from his house to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit left within her. It took her breath away. Then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about the words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, half was not told to me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity the report which I had heard. 
How blessed are the men, how blessed are your servants who stand before you continually and get to hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Can you just pause for a moment? Can I tell you that when wisdom is resting on your life, it benefits everyone around you. It impacts everyone around you. From the lowest of servants in King Solomon's household to, to the land itself are all benefited. And it demonstrates that God loves you and loves the people around you. Every time the Lord speaks to you and moves in your life, he's not just demonstrating that he cares about you. He's demonstrating that he cares about everybody around you. You're meant to be a benefit, not just to your family, to your neighborhood. You, you, you live in that neighborhood, and it could be that God moved you there so that those neighbors would come to encounter God's goodness. So that the people that work with you. Now, listen. I don't want you to walk away from here and go, go back to work and go, yeah, I'm God's gift to you. You know, don't do that, okay? That's a different spirit, okay? That's not the one I'm talking about here. But truly, you really are a gift to people. So instead of seeing it all about you or what can I gain from this situation, if you'll just begin to encounter the Lord and his wisdom, you'll recognize how much God loves other people, and he wants to do it through you. Amen? Okay. Uh, look at the response. She gave the king 120 talents of gold. That's a lot of gold. She gave a very great amount of spices and precious stones. Never again did such abundance of spices come in as what came from the Queen of Sheba to King Solomon. That's a whole lot of cardamom. That is a ton of cinnamon. I'm trying to imagine, right? Can you, can you imagine? Like, like how, how much, like how much paprika does it take? To, to mark, like, the record of how much spice came in. Uh, we're talking truckloads. I don't know. It must have been crazy amounts of spice. I bet they had good soup after that, though. It would have been awesome. I want to I read something to you, though, here. Something that I wrote. Uh, kind of my version of what happened here. You know, it wasn't... What, what took the Queen of Sheba's breath away wasn't the... The, the kingdom itself. It, it wasn't the grand nature of Jerusalem. It wasn't all the trade routes that he had fortified and was taxing the known world. It wasn't all the relationships with foreign countries. It wasn't, it wasn't all these grand things that took her breath away. It was his dinner table. It was his dinner table. It was the small things. It was the way that his household was directly connected to the worship of his God. The staircase went from the dining room to the house of God. She saw that and went, oh my, I can't believe how connected the worship of the Lord is with your personal life. 
how connected the worship of the Lord is with your dinner table. When she saw that, she saw that it was the wisdom of God that was influencing the smallest things, like the fact that they're sitting at a table and not on the floor. That would have been mind-boggling in that day. There they are. I mean, come on. What if he invented the chair? Did you ever think about that? Right? He, she's looking at the table setting. She picks up this utensil and goes, what is that? It's a fork. He invented it. Can you imagine the first time you saw a fork? Something about the way that the servants interacted with her. She asked questions, and they're knowledgeable, and they have wisdom. These are the lowest people in the kingdom, and yet they're educated. The, the, the types of interaction she's having is blowing her away. Like, how did this happen? Blessed are you that you get to sit in Solomon's presence all the time. That you get to drink from this experience all the time. She looks at the cupbearer. The cupbearer normally is just taking sips to, to make sure it's not poisoned. It's not poisoned. Except for, I'm imagining, I mean, she says, it says the cupbearer experience was so, I'm thinking that this is the first, like, wine pairing with food that has happened. The cupbearer comes up and is like, I think this would taste good with this. Like, I think you should try this wine. This is an uh, experience that is simple and yet profound. It's so out of the box, yet it makes so much sense. That experience takes her breath away and causes her to recognize, oh, God. God is here. I believe so I, I believe it so strongly. I believe that your dinner table has the power to transform your world. I think it's supposed to. I think that dinner in your house is meant to be transformational to anybody who visits to your own household. I think when you sit down to dinner that Jesus was being dead serious when he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice, and you invite me in, I'll come in and have dinner with you. I think that Jesus is dead serious when he's talking about the profound nature of connectedness around a table where the spirit of wisdom is resting, that your table could disciple the nations. That what happens in that small communion within your family, that your children could walk and grow up in wisdom because of the little interactions that are taking place. That mom and dad, that you could come home, that you could talk about with your family. You could just bring up something you're facing in, at work, and the counsel of your dinner table in the spirit of wisdom could transform how your company does business in the future as the little ones bring forth the wisdom of God. And it's just outside the box. You weren't thinking about it. First application of the day, you should remember this one. When you sit down to dinner and you're going to bless the food, which, by the way, you should. Bless your food. Bless your food. I got lots of stories in this one. I can't go down that rabbit hole. But you should bless your food and, and really actually wholeheartedly let the Lord touch whatever it is that you've been provided with. Give thanks to God and you should invite Jesus to your table. Let the fellowship of the Lord transform your lives. Does anybody say amen to that? I don't think God is just about the big stuff. In fact, I think it's the small stuff that actually transforms the life.
There are so many insta-prophets out there. 15-second clips on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook where everybody's got such input for your life, right? Just nuggets of wisdom. I don't mind. I, I think it's creative and awesome. Like, man, I can get a barrage of input and in how to better make chicken. You know, it's awesome. But I don't know if that's the highest form of wisdom you should be listening to. I wonder how much the projection of wisdom out there of us wanting to coach others is actually the void of us applying wisdom in our lives. We tend to try to give away stuff because it's sitting there and it's boiling up in us and we're excited about information and I want to give it away but the reason I want to give it away, the proverb says, is because it's not at rest in the man. In other words, wisdom came to you and there was no resting place for it because you didn't apply it. And so you need to give it away. So just apply wisdom. It'll be awesome. I wonder, I wonder how much Wisdom would come to us. The voice of God would come to us if, if we tuned in to the right source. You know, Solomon was this king. The scripture says that he was a young man when he took the throne of Israel. And he had a dream one night. And the dream was this, that God came to him and asked him, basically, anything that you want, ask it of me and I'll give it to you. That's, a, that's the lottery question. And... Solomon replies to him, I'm a little child to your people. I don't know how to go out before your people or come in. I, I don't know how to be a king. And so what I'm asking is that you would give me the ability to discern justice. The ability to know what's right in my decisions. Give me wisdom. That question was raised. God said, hey, what do you want? You could have asked for the lives of your enemies. You could have asked for all the wealth in the world. But instead, you asked God how to do your job better. And because you asked God how to do your job better, he's going to give you everything else. Because if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, everything else gets added to you. This thing, if we were able to interview Solomon and pull him up here, put him on the chair and go, hey, Solly, where did you get that wisdom from? He'd say God, but he tells us where he heard the voice of wisdom, where his schooling was. It's in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. You ready for this? I don't think you are. This is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Look at this. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. Go for it. Keep going. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O oh naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? That's the polite way of saying stupid. 
How long, scoffers, will you delight yourself in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Turn to my reproof and behold, I will pour out my spirit on you and I will make my words known to you. Where did Solomon learn wisdom? He learned it in the streets. You ever heard the term street smarts? Do you know that every situation in your life has the voice of wisdom shouting over it? You can learn from everything, and it's what Solomon did. You can learn from everything. Every one of us have been through a school. It's just that some of us learn to hear the voice of wisdom in our experiences, and other of us need the lesson repeated. I got lots of lumps on my head from lessons I have learned several times over, right? Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. The head of the noisy street, she cries out at the entrance of the gates. She utters her sayings. That statement there, every one of these situations is a place where people are making decisions. Every decision you make has the voice of wisdom shouting over it. When you watch someone make a decision, the voice of wisdom is shouting over it. And if you're willing to turn to it, to listen, to, to tune in, you will also hear the voice of wisdom speaking to you its lessons. I need you to repeat something to me. I need, want you to repeat it out loud. This is a presupposition, meaning this thought, if you embrace it, will position you to hear the voice of wisdom. And it's simply this, okay? Repeat after me. Wisdom is speaking over every decision. This is a fact that must be embraced if you're going to learn. It's not, well, maybe wisdom was in that. No, no. Wisdom's voice is shouting over every decision. It's up to you to tune in and hear. God is interacting, wants to interact, wants to speak to you, wants to give you creative ideas that will change and transform things, bring encounters to people. But we must acknowledge that he's in it. He's in it. Even the hard ones. Even the difficult decisions. He's in it. There's so much to be gained if we'll turn to his reproof. Verse 23 says this, Turn to my reproof, and I'll pour out my spirit on you. I'll make my words known to you. That is a hard statement, I think. I think it's a hard statement. Maybe it's not a hard statement for you. I don't like being wrong. Anybody else like being wrong? I mean, like you try for it. I mean, some of you act like you try for it, but, right? My wife says I try to be wrong a lot. That's fine, you know? No, do you, do you, no one wants to be wrong. Like, no one likes to be corrected, I don't want to be passionate about something and believe and then have it turn out wrong. That's no fun. I don't enjoy that. Anybody else enjoy that? No? No, you don't, you don't want to pour out your passion for something, be excited about something, believe for something, and then have it turn out incorrect. That doesn't feel good. But the scripture says that we're supposed to not just embrace it, we're supposed to pursue that. Not the being wrong, but the being correctable. Not the being wrong, but being willing to, when you, when you come into a situation and you just believe, you know you're right. I mean, if you know you're right, then why would you listen to anybody else's opinion, especially different opinions? 
Yeah? Right? Insert your Vikings joke here. <laughs> okay, come on. If the pack lose today, then I'm in trouble next week, right? Some of you will lord it over me. It's okay. It's okay. Right? I've been wrong before. This process of turning to reproof has a promise with it that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, will pour out on you if you will willingly turn to it. Turn to my reproof, he says. I'll pour out my spirit. This promise has been seen before. I want to point out to you something that took place in history where God's spirit was poured out on a man for the sake of wisdom. His name was Bezalel. It happened in the book of Exodus where the people of Israel are beginning to craft a temple for the first time. It was the tabernacle of meeting. It's where they would worship the Lord. They needed somebody, though, to craft all of the utensils of the temple, to create all of these fixtures. This is Exodus 31, verse 1. You can follow along with me. Exodus 31, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, See, I have called Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom in understanding and knowledge and all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for the works in gold and silver and bronze and the cutting of stones and the settings and the carving of wood that he can make all of these things. Behold, I myself have appointed, look at the, uh, go skip down just a little bit there, to make the Ark of the Testimony, the mercy seat, all the furniture in the tent of meeting, all the tables, its utensils, and it goes on and on. This is such a powerful truth. If you grab hold of this one, whoo. The spirit of wisdom, when we turn to God's reproof and wisdom encounters us, whatever we put our hands to under that, in that expression, creates opportunity for others to encounter the Lord. The spirit of wisdom created a context for people to encounter God. This is the first time it happens in the scriptures where the spirit of wisdom pours out on someone and they begin to create and their creation is the very place of encounter where others can interact with God. When you function in the spirit of wisdom, whatever you create is the setting where God will encounter others. Man, that thing right there, that'll change your life. You got to turn to his reproof. You got to admit that you don't know everything. Anybody in here know everything? Yes, you know everything. Okay, good. Good job. If you don't know everything, then this simple statement of Lord, help is so powerful. God, I invite you. Help me to build. Help me to make. Help me to create Help me in this decision. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. Lord, would you give me wisdom? That interaction, that invitation, I think it's so amazing that the spirit of wisdom comes upon this man. And what does he create? He creates a table of meeting. He creates a context where God encounters man around the table. Where else have we seen this experience happen? 
The Spirit of God comes on Solomon. What's he do? He creates a table where people encounter the connectedness of the worship of the Lord in this place of context. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Open that door, and I'll come in to your table. There's a fellowship, a connectedness that exists when the spirit of wisdom rests on our work. So you're out there, you're a builder, you're framing up a house. What if you were doing that with Jesus? What if you invited the Lord into that context? What if you humbled yourself so that his spirit could come on you? Right? And so you are in wisdom building a house that you're not going to live in, but someone else is. And what if that family has now dwelling in a household that was created for the place of encounter with the Lord? It was shaped by wisdom. Y'all, you could craft a cup of coffee and do so in the spirit of wisdom, inviting encounter. You can write code for software that you'll never use and you're doing it in service to someone else, but because you brought the Lord into your job, you're working under the spirit of wisdom that it creates the opportunity for others to encounter the Lord through your work. You might say to me, Pastor James, I think you're taking this too far. I'm going to say to you, I don't think I'm taking it far enough. I think God's really at work all around us. We get fixated on the darkness. We look to see what's wrong, but the Lord's trying to give you solutions to create a context where he can encounter the world. When the light rises upon you and you rise up, you stand up. The scripture says, Isaiah 60, the nations will come to your rising. I, I think this, this thing is, has the ability to transform your life, yes. But the impact of it goes so far beyond. Y'all, when the Lord fills you with the spirit of wisdom, all things he puts into your hand, everything, becomes a place for others to encounter him. It doesn't matter what you do for a living, for a job, God wants to use it to create a place of encounter. Look at verse 22 again, Proverbs 22. How long, O oh naive ones? <laughs> I love that, right? Don't you like being called naive? You're so naive. Doesn't that feel good? Yeah. Oh, naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? Scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. You know, these characters that Psalm is describing, they're the attributes and attitudes that we carry when somebody gives us new information. They're the attitudes of the heart that shut down wisdom's voice in our life. Wisdom is shouting over every decision you make. God is wanting to be a part of your decisions. But these attitudes will shut down God's voice in your situation. Look at that. Naive means to be simple-minded. You don't know what you don't know. So if you're making a decision and you think you know, and someone tells you, hey, you're ignorant, you don't know, how does that feel? Does that feel good? Are you ready to listen at that point? Oh, please, teach me. Right? You know, that doesn't feel good. But y'all, to be naive is to be narrow-minded. It's to hold an opinion that does not allow to hear other opinions. 
Simple-mindedness is not just ignorance. It's also I have a thought that I'm refusing to allow to be challenged. I have a belief that I'm unwilling to hear other thoughts around. Naivety is not just this process of not knowing. It's that choice to be unwilling. Scoffers, this is where they hold contempt towards people who think differently than them. It's an attitude of the heart that says, oh, you think different than I do. You hold a different opinion, and I hold you in contempt. I don't like the fact that you think differently than me. I'm scoffing at you. I have a, a thing that rises in me that produces assumption and accusation to shut down your influence on my thoughts. I just go ahead and shove you into a box and I shut down your voice so that because I have assumed some things about you, I now can just disqualify anything that you have to say. Why? Because you're in that camp. You fit in that box. I'm done listening to you because I have become narrow-minded and refuse to hear anything that's not in my train of thought. Anybody ever done that before? By the way, we're all guilty of all these things, okay? We're all guilty of all these things. Scoffers project arrogance in order to keep them from hearing things that they don't believe. Fools are unwilling to learn because they don't care. You're a fool if you're unwilling to recognize the impact your decision is going to have on other people. Fools remain foolish because they refuse to receive the judgment seat of the Lord, the understanding that you're responsible and accountable for your choices. A fool just raises up and says, I don't care who this affects. I don't care what you think about this. doesn't matter what the outcome is because I want it. You ever been there? These attitudes have to be intentionally addressed because they exist covertly in our hearts and the Lord is needing to draw them out so that he can give wisdom to us. God wants to give wisdom to you. He's trying to give wisdom to you. Wisdom is shouting over every decision, decisions others are making. You, you can learn and glean from any of them except for when you hold these attitudes in your heart. Man, if you're just unwilling to listen, you don't care, or you have filled in the blanks, things you don't know about someone, but you filled it in with assumption. Got quiet in here. You all right? <laughs> Y'all, you go after this this year. If you go after this this year, like intentionally go after this, attack it. Don't allow it to exist in your heart. You're going to grow. You're going to grow by leaps and bounds. You're going to be so powerful and usable to the Lord. There are ways of looking at situations other than your own way. Does anybody believe that? 
<laughs> okay, repeat after me. There are other ways of looking at this situation. That's a powerful statement. Because when you are convinced something is right, in order to address simple-mindedness, narrow-mindedness, you have to intentionally insert this thought. There are other ways to look at this situation other than my own. I don't know what I don't know, and I don't know everything, so I am naive. But there are other ways of looking at this situation, so I intentionally open myself up to hear. You got to choose that. There are assumptions I have made about this situation, and most likely, they're incorrect. That's a fun statement right there. Why don't we just try that one on? Let's repeat after me. Come on. There are assumptions I've made about this situation. You know what they say about assumptions, right? It turns up into you and me. Mm-hmm. So you just got that one. All right, there we go. I don't know everything, so I probably have filled in some of the gaps of what I don't know with my own thoughts. That's called making an assumption. And when you fill in the gaps with your own ideas, right, or the labels that you put on people, when you fill those things in, you'll come to wrong conclusions about their situation and what you should do. You'll come to wrong conclusions. It's impossible to hear wisdom if you choose to assume things about people. So there are assumptions I've made. The results of my decisions are going to impact others, and I am accountable to the Lord for my responsibility in this. Let's do this last one too. The results of my decisions are going to impact others. And I am accountable to the Lord for this. There is a judgment seat of Christ waiting for you. And in that place, every careless word and careless deed, you will be accountable for it. You will be accountable for it. See, the fool says, I don't care. And therefore, the fear of the Lord does not inform their decisions. If you want the fear of the Lord to drive foolishness from your heart, if you want to be wise, then you have to acknowledge that when you make a decision, it affects other people and that you should care. Mm -hmm. So how do I do this, Pastor Jamie? How do I get out of this? What do I do? What's the process? I'm going to feed you some questions to ask yourself next time you're facing a decision. You ready? Okay. Number one, you got to reframe the problem. You're making a decision. You're thinking about it one way. Because you're thinking about it one way, it only leaves you with one answer. This is the whole reframing the problem. Just got to think about it differently. It, by reframing your problem, it opens you up to different answers. You should do this intentionally. So here's the first question you ask. Is there another approach I could take when thinking about this issue? What's another way of looking at this? It's a simple question. Just ask yourself. You're facing a situation. You don't know what to do. What's another way of thinking about this? 
Seek out new perspectives. If you're a Fox News person, I dare you to watch CNN for a month. If you're a CNN person, I dare you to watch Fox News for a month. Why would you do that, Pastor Jamie? They're wrong. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because the point is not one's right or wrong, but that you are thinking about something in a certain way. And the Lord, he's speaking in decisions. And if you don't choose to see beyond your perspective, how do you unlock yourself out of the box? You got to challenge it. Got to be intentional about it. Choose. I have a personal conviction around this that I refuse to dismiss people I disagree with. I refuse. In fact, those are the people I set meetings with. Not meetings with to address, but meetings with to find out, to seek understanding. Oh, you, you hold that position, that you think that? It's different than how I think. I want to have coffee with you, and I want to ask questions. I want to understand. Where did you come from? How did you come to that conclusion? I'm not trying to convince you about anything. I just know that God is speaking somewhere in this, and I want to grow 2023 is meant to be a year where we grow and we learn and we become wise. Can I give you a thought that I doubt you've had before? <laughs> because of the confidence of the one. Yeah. <laughs> what if the Lord sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies because he wants you to learn? What if it's not about you dominating them or rubbing their face in it? What about if his goodness actually is able to be recognized, learned from, grown? Like, what if God's speaking in every situation, even the ones that are difficult? What if instead of demonizing people and shoving them to the other side of the war map and saying we're against them, they're them and us, what if we stopped doing that and we started building tables where the wisdom of the Lord could interact with us? Mm -hmm. Question, what am I assuming about the problem? What assumptions am I making? Challenge my assumptions. Sometimes you actually know, your subconscious knows, so you should just name it. What am I assuming? What facts do I actually know? You should list them out. List out the facts and then Look to see where you have drawn conclusions but have made assumptions. Challenge them. Grow, y'all. This isn't just Paul, this isn't political, this isn't this isn't racial, this isn't uh, nation against nation, this isn't all those things can be solved in this. I'm talking about like God wants to meet you in the simplest of decisions. He wants to be a part of it. And, and we shouldn't just gloss over it. We should invite him in. He wants to take the journey with us. He's a father. He wants to teach you. He wants to grow you. Don't just assume you know.
Last thing. What am I avoiding? That question, whew, it's a powerful one. What thoughts am I avoiding? Who is this going to impact? I make this decision, it's going to impact somebody. Who is this going to impact? And why am I avoiding that thought? Probably because you know and you're choosing to be selfish. This is what fools do. They don't care. They care more about themselves than the outcome of others. So if we stop that, we'll challenge foolishness and wisdom will come. Last idea around this one. And it's beautiful. It's so genius of God. It's called submission to authority. Isn't that a fun concept? It's, it's so fun. Submit. Choose. Submit. Can I tell you that that is the protection of the Lord over your life? You have a boss that's telling you to do something, and you don't want to do it, and so you're like, everything in you is rising up, and you want to challenging it. Can I tell you that submitting to authority protects you no matter the outcome? Because it's not your decision. It was theirs, right? And so who is accountable for it? Okay, I'm not saying blindly just do whatever anybody says. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying submitting to authority is a gift from the Lord. And you should find out who's actually responsible for the decision you're about to make. Because it's very possible that in your company or in your family that someone else has already made a decision. And all you got to do is align yourself with their decision. It's not your job to choose. So you get overwhelmed about this decision because you're not sure what to do. But someone else already made the choice. So you should just do what they told you to do. The load lightens. Turns out you're not responsible. The judgment seat of Jesus will be a lot more comfortable for you. There you go. Are you alive? Okay. I'm going to conclude now. I'm going to land this plane. Just crash land it. Boom. We're down. I'm going to make some concluding statements. And I'm going to invite you right now. Would you just... Maybe close your eyes. Maybe put a hand on your own heart. I just want you to hear this. Hear this from the perspective of Father who loves you. I love you. We're in a community that loves you. And we're all called together in this purpose to encounter him and to grow, to see the world touched by Jesus. God wants to pour out his wisdom on your life. And he wants to do it in such a way that people will be in awe of his goodness. Every decision you make has the potential to create an encounter and be a catalyst for others to encounter the Lord. There's a world that needs him. And when you make a decision in wisdom, it sets the table for them to encounter. When you humble yourself and you choose to be correctable, the spirit of wisdom will be poured out on you and you will know what to do. This is why we must challenge those three attitudes because they stand in the way of you hearing God's voice. We do this by reframing the problem, challenging our assumptions, 
owning responsibility, and asking the Lord for his wisdom. Would you please stand to your feet today? Father, this morning, I feel your kindness in this room. You love people so much. You love people so much, Father, and you're drawing near. If you draw near to him, if you'll open up to him today, he'll draw near to you. If you hear his voice and his prompting, if you'll open that door, he'll come. Wisdom will set a table for you. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you in. Come on, would you just invite him in? Lord, we invite you in. God, we open the door of our lives to you today. Would you pray this with me right now? Just every voice, would you just pray this with me? Jesus, we open the door of our lives to you. Would you come in? Would you give us wisdom? We want people to encounter you. We want to know what to do. That our lives would be transformed. Jesus, we invite you in. Hmm. Father, I pray right now for a great mercy, a grace and mercy. He gives grace to the humble. Man, if you just if you've been going your own way, just pause for a moment and humble yourself. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. God, my my marriage needs your help. Would you please give us wisdom, how to navigate? Lord, I don't know what I'm doing in parenting. I need your help. Would you please give us wisdom? Father, we have decisions to make that are going to affect other people. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, I thank you that your promise is yes and amen to every heart that humbles themselves. Grace in abundance to you. God, I thank you for that. Now, I bless your people today. I bless you, church. May the wisdom of the Lord guide you. I bless you that you would see and recognize every situation around you, that you would begin to hear God's voice shouting over every decision, that you would hear God's voice and recognize him in every situation your friends and family are going through, that you would hear the voice of the Lord in each one. You would grow in the school of wisdom, that you would be a strong aid to those God brings into your life, that you would rise up as those champions in the Lord, that the glory of the Lord would rest on you, that his light would shine from you, that people in darkness would see and come running to the Lord. I bless you today, church. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May his face shine upon you. May he grant you peace everywhere you go, that you would advance his kingdom. I bless you, church. May this year be prosperous for you. May it be the best one yet. May it be the best one yet. I bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and anybody who dared to agree with that said, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord?